In the Navajo Nation, responding to COVID-19 comes with unique challenges. A third of residents don't have access to running water. Grocery stores are few and far between. And many must travel hours to reach the nearest hospital. While the sovereign nation has the highest case rate of any state in the country, it's been successful in containing the spread of the virus through stay-at-home orders and strict weekend curfews. When the pandemic began, the territory ramped up testing and contact tracing. The Navajo Nation now boasts the highest testing rate in the country. On this episode of the podcast, we speak with Dr. Jonathan Iralu, an infectious disease doctor at Gallup Indian Medical Center in New Mexico. He discusses how he and his staff adapted to treat an influx of patients during the peak of the outbreak and what they're doing now to ensure continued access to care. First, I asked him to go back to the beginning and trace the origins of the outbreak in the Navajo Nation. The virus probably came from people returning from um, large city metropolitan areas in the, in the bordering states. And we initially um, saw spread uh, related to a sporting event where somebody traveled to a sporting event, returned, and then later on there were, there were all kinds of venues where it spreads just as it's been spreading throughout the country at church events um, and things like um, uh, funeral proceedings. The, the the virus spread through the community initially through those, um, those ways. So are there any circumstances that are unique to the nation that may have exacerbated the severity of the outbreak? Hmm. Yeah, so... Um, the things that the things that uh, concern us in Indian Country are the um, the lack of infrastructure. So we have we have a um, we have a, a a tribe has a beautiful culture. They live in very rural sites, but um, un- unfortunately, some of the some parts of the Navajo Nation do not have things like running water and electricity, and so um, a person. A person to come in and get seen in a hospital might have to drive a long distance, sometimes on dirt roads. So infrastructure is a, is, a, is an issue, and so um, that makes that makes the um, and like the self care and the patient care more more challenging. But I, that's not something that's totally insurmountable. Mm. So can you just give me an idea of what your typical shift looks like right now? Um, you know, how has your hospital changed? So um, the ho- the hospital has changed, and as most hospitals in the United States have changed dramatically. So um, when when the um, when we we learned that COVID nineteen was starting to spread on the west coast and then on the east coast, became really concerned we because we knew we lived in a rural area and could potentially cause difficulties for us here. So we had to make a lot of dramatic shifts in the way we deliver care. So, for instance, early on, we shut down our, our clinics and left sort of like a skeleton crew back in the clinics to just handle emergencies, do medication refills, etc. And we transferred a lot of the staff into the inpatient and to the emergency department areas so that we can enhance the care of people coming in with COVID. So, for instance, we... Um, 
agencies very quickly instituted a drive-up testing line where folks could drive up, get their their, their swab testing, and go home. And we're we're doing that very very early on in the in the outbreak. Um, we also made modifications to our emergency rooms so that a lot of the triage is done outside of the of the main hospital building. So a person could come in. And if they had mild complaints, they could actually be seen in sort of like a, a, a medical tent, get their screening done there, and even get some of their care there. If, and if they're not, not critically ill, they could be sent home from there. Whereas people who are really sick would have to be um, taken into the main, main emergency room. The hospital itself, we had to create um, ward space, inpatient ward space for COVID patients. Um, in what used to be office space, so we had to we had to move folks out of their offices and convert those rooms into COVID care units, and that included making modifications in the the air ducts and um, in, installation of you know new um, digital pharmacy equipment so that we can give out meds safely. A lot of modifications had to be done to keep people safe. So it. it the day-to-day life in, in the hospitals changed. So we, for instance, um, clinic visits, like many parts of the country, involve telemedicine, where we, we telephone patients and do our, our quarterly updates over the telephone. So those are some of the things that change. So you, 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 have, um, you have to create COVID units on the inpatient service, um, kind of like out of the vacuum. And then the clinics have moved from fewer face-to-face visits and more telephone visits. I do want to follow up on that and just ask, you know, is access to technology a challenge for your patients that you're trying to reach through telemedicine? So not everybody has access to technology. Sometimes the family will have a shared cell phone. Um, if a person lives in a remote part of the Navajo Nation that's far from the cell phone tower, it's Sometimes it's difficult to get service. We've had people had to drive to the top of a mountain in order to make a telephone call. So you can imagine that would be challenging. Mm, yeah. So do those same patients in remote areas face challenges accessing in-person care as well? Ah, okay. In the in the pre-COVID area and partly during the COVID era. We have we've used home care extensively for infectious diseases. So the tribe created a beautiful tuberculosis treatment program along with the Indian Health Service back in the 1970s, where they utilized a, a program um, of, of what we call community health workers. You know, you've, I'm sure you've heard that term before. But these are folks who are adept at speaking the Navajo language, and many of them are um, have some medical training, and they will go into the homes and deliver medications for tuberculosis, for instance. And this this worked well for decades. Um, roughly, I think about 12 years ago, we started doing the exact same thing with HIV care, and so we have a um, we, we have a it's kind of like a long-standing history of having Navajo-speaking healthcare uh, workers who are community health workers go into the homes and do direct care for COVID-19. During the 
the COVID emergency, we had to curtail the HIV program because the staff were needed um, it elsewhere and in the clinics, especially in the clinics. Um, the t- tuberculosis care, which is run by the Navajo Nation, was, was continued. So when people aren't able to come in here, we're able to get to them. And I, I sh- would also like to mention a, a really nice program that was started by two of my colleagues, Dr. Jenny Way of UEI and Dr. Mia Lozada. They worked with the state of New Mexico, McKinley County, um, and many, 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 many other agencies full of volunteers to um, take care of people in motels who do not have a place to stay during the COVID emergency. So, for instance, if somebody developed COVID and there were healthy relatives at home, we would ask that person to stay in the motel for their 10-day their 10-day isolation period to uh, to keep them from infecting other other people in the community. If someone was exposed to COVID at home or and needed did not have a place to to um, quarantine themselves, they are also sent to these places. And then, um, lastly, there are people who um, can't return home because there's COVID at home, and they need a place to stay. So. My, my my colleagues working with the state of New Mexico and many other volunteer agencies, universities, and um, across the country have sent volunteers to assist in this this beautiful effort. So they have a, a whole group of people who do not have a place to stay, but they're getting um, they have a, a, they end up staying in the, in the local motels. They get fed, they um, get looked after by. Um, doctors and nurses and health techs who come and visit them in the motel rooms. So it's a they and they've they've done a beautiful job with this, and I think it's been a real benefit to the community to prevent the spread of COVID. Mm. Wow. Uh, you know, given the scale of the outbreak in the Navajo Nation, how has your hospital, uh, in particular, been impacted? Oh, sure, absolutely. So. In, in early March, like everybody in the country, we were desperate for supplies. No, nobody, um, you know, could have imagined that this this pandemic would would hit the United States. So we we were just like everyone else. We were short on N95 respirator masks, surgical masks, gowns, gloves, uh, you know, uh, sterilizing wipes, all that kind of stuff. We are short, just like the rest of the country. We have all the same suppliers as everyone else. So the hospital had to create a, a, a personal a PPE committee to spend a lot of time ordering and tracking and projecting what the needs would be um, for the hospital. So that that uh, that obviously impacted us. We um, we had to we were as I mentioned before we were short on space. We only had a two um, medical surgical wards plus an, a small intensive care unit. And we had to create a couple extra wards, so we uh, transformed um, office space into these uh, these COVID units, and that 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 was challenging to get the ball rolling. But we were able to do it over a period of a few weeks. We had to do some HVAC renovations to, to kind of strengthen the airflow in some of the parts of the hospital. Um, but um, that that really impacted us a lot in in April when we were at the peak of the, the COVID emergency here. 
that it's um, now things are are better and we're kind of catching our breath. Mm. So obviously you're treating a number of COVID positive patients, but have you seen an uptick in the number of patients experiencing health issues unrelated to COVID, but due to some of the circumstances that the pandemic has created? Sure. So um, what I think what you're alluding to is that when you have to convert a hospital into a COVID care unit, things like routine primary care um, might be put on the back burner. So for instance, a diabetic who would ordinarily see their their provider every three months might not get to see one for a while and the sugar goes up. This is a common scenario. And now that things have, have quieted down, we're able to do catch-ups by telemedicine. So that, for instance, I spent the morning doing that, um, catching up with a number of patients using telemedicine. And so that, that's, um, that's the, 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 we're, we're hoping that we can get back into the swing of regular primary care again here. Mm. So as an infectious disease doctor, what are your thoughts on the current situation? Are you concerned or do you feel that things are under control? Okay, so um, today at, at this location, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that things are going to be good for the near future. I'm worried about um, the possibility of importation of cases of the virus from the neighboring states. So the Navajo Nation um, covers uh, part of New Mexico, a um, big part of Arizona, and then part of Utah. And then we have patients coming in even from Colorado sometimes. So we're in the Four Corners area, and a couple of those Four Corners states are are seeing a an uptick in the in the incidence of cases, so we're worried about the um, the possibility of reintroduction of the virus from one of these these bordering states. So that's our concern. Mm, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like your hospital's response has differed from other hospitals across the country because of the region you serve? Okay, so on, on one level, um, we, we would be different from the average small rural hospital in the United States in that we're the public health service. We do direct patient care, and we're responsible for the public health needs of the, of the, um, of, of the patients that we serve. So an, another hospital would do the direct patient care and then make a referral to the, the state or um, or local um, healthcare jurisdiction, like the County Department of Health or the State Department of Health, to to do the contact investigations and do the other work. And while we do work a lot with the, the state, the the states that we that are adjacent to us, um, we we have to do the public health ourselves. So we um, we're, we have a, a group of public health ner- nurses uh, across Navajo Nation and other other you know epidemiologists from the Indian Health Service, et cetera, at different service units um, that, are, that are doing things that are ordinarily done by state. So we, we, uh, we, we kind of, we do two kinds of health care, both public health and direct patient care. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think that, I, I think some things that are, are unique is, are the, the 
we um, we serve the, the Navajo Nation, and some some parts have have um, do not have the kind of infrastructure you might find in an urban area. People have people lack running water. I think we already talked about cell phone access, um, roads, etc. Makes things more challenging than they would be in a in a like an urban area, or perhaps in a a um, in a in a more uh, rural area, but one with better services than we have here. Um, I just want to have you explain the difference between public health and uh, direct health. Oh, so for instance, um, uh, let me see if I can. So this more today, I've been. I, as an infectious disease specialist, um, have spent the, the whole morning doing direct patient care. So I, I did a consultation in the inpatient units, and then I did a, a number of telephone calls, um, telemedicine visits and some in, face-to-face visits in the clinic. So that would be direct, kind of direct patient care that we would do. Tomorrow, my, my teams are going to be uh, meeting to do public health work. So we'll be following up on persons who have tuberculosis and we'll be following up on pe- persons who have HIV in the community working with Indian health service staff, working directly with tribal um, workers. So they're, they're, um, they're do they're, we'll be fulfilling more of a public health role to try to stop outbreak in the community of those infections I mentioned. And so we have a, a whole section of the um, Indian health service hospital where I work it's called public health nursing. So they would um, they would not be doing direct patient care, but they would be doing uh, kind of doing contact investigations, looking after people with COVID right now. They're doing a, a really beautiful job, and kind of kind of proud of their work. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. For direct relief, I'm Amarika Raffanelli.